Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the esteemed and Colorado fan, Matthew Henry. Let's not go that far. (laughs) Matthew, what were you doing in Colorado over the trade deadline? I was scouting Rocky players for the San Francisco Giants. Turns out there was none worth trading for. So we didn't do it. We didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> turns, out, turns out I didn't need to go to Colorado to tell you that. <laughs> the rest of Major League Baseball told us that too because the Colorados traded exactly zero people during the trade deadline. I'm sure that ties a record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it does. It does. It does. Oh, my goodness. I Yeah, trade deadline. I mean, right? Like, what else is there to talk about since our season is clearly over today, folks, is Wednesday, August 3rd, as we record this podcast. The San Francisco Giants, you know them. They have gone three and three uh, since we last spoke, playing a rather nice uh, four-game series against the Chicago Cubs, going three and one, finally beating a team that they should actually beat. Unfortunately, since then, they have extended their losing streak to the Los Angeles Dodgers to six games now. Uh, And uh, with two games left to play, both later today, because we are recording this podcast a little bit early today. And then game four of that series is tomorrow. And uh, what else? Oh, they they are five games out of the final wild card spot. In the National League, for anybody who still thinks that's a possibility. Um, I love you, optimists. And speaking of optimists, Matthew, what do you have to say about our Giants and their their lovely week? Well, let me, let me quote Carlos Rodon, or at least paraphrase him. I think he said, we're still here, so we might as well try and win it. Right? I, I think that's what he said. <laughs> so... Wow. Yeah, That's I'm going to put that on the t-shirt, wow. and uh, you, know, you can buy those for $29.99 on uh, giantcocktails.com. I'm but. still alive, so I might as well get out of bed. <laughs> That's that's. I think that's a good, uh, yeah, a, a good comparison to to Rodon's quote th- there for sure. I, I think some people might classify that as a sign of depression, my man. Um, so I but... I want to be optimistic, man. I really do. I I try to. Like, well, you know, if they just get these key parts back and they start playing like they did last year, then, yeah, we could we could get that third spot. And then then, you know, anything goes once you're in the playoffs. That's as that's as optimistic as I could get. Like, I just I don't I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not too confident in how things are going to turn out over the next Wow. 60 games. Wow. I mean, and if you're not confident, Matthew, then I, I think you're the one of the most optimistic people I know. So I I can't imagine what the rest of Giants Nation must be feeling now. Uh, the 
Yeah. I mean, well, here's let me try to throw some optimism at at you. I I didn't make this stuff up myself because I'm not an optimistic person. We both know that. I I read some stuff by some people that uh, seem semi-optimistic when they talked about how the Giants kept Rodon and Peterson and and didn't make any significant, um, uh, you know, changes that were said they were throwing in the towel. They were like, well, you know, they could still turn this around and, you know, get into the playoffs. You got Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon leading your, you know, your rotation. That could be a tough, uh, a, a tough team to face, especially in shortened series where where you got to win best out of three. Right. I mean, and that's that's not wrong. I mean, five games out of the playoff spot on August 3rd is not great, uh, especially when you have to pass two other teams to to secure that spot. And uh, so I, I wouldn't say it looks great, but it's definitely possible. They're still in it. They could still do it. They won't, but they could. <laughs> they could. And, uh, you know, I don't know. And I mean, the one thing is I'm going to say is, is that the, the defense that the Giants have is still going to be the same defense behind Webb and Rodon. So I don't know that there is much hope, you know, of this mythical, magical playoff run that those writers were talking about. But I will I will accept it's within the realm of possibility. It could happen. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that makes it hard for me to be optimistic is when I look at the current infield, like the roster of infielders, we have two first basemen, four th- third basemen, and one shortstop who we just grabbed off the scrap heap from Chicago. So no second baseman, natural second baseman on the current roster as is, uh, makes it hard to be a little bit, uh, to make it, to make, be optimistic that our defense is going to play at a level that's better than what we've been playing so far this year. Well, let me just ask a follow-up question. How many third bases are there on a baseball field, Matthew? Last time I checked, there was only one. But you know Uh, what I really want to see? I want to see your mean Mercedes playing second base. Yeah, I think... Why not at this point, right? Just throw the guy out there. He's got to be as good as... Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, that was one of the ridiculous things we've heard in the past few weeks, that they were working him out at second base. (laughs) I feel like that was a bait quote for me. (laughs) Yeah, Kapler was like, Ben Henry's going to be listening to this, so I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I've, I've heard about these guys on Giant Cocktails, which I don't know how they would have. Our mother told them. Well, and, I, and I'm being a little facetious because the the actual San Francisco Giants roster lists both Wilmer Flores and Tommy Lastella as third basemen. So I, I don't know. I, wow. When your own official roster is listing <laughs> your second baseman as third baseman, I think that's a statement. It is. It pretty much tells you all you need to know about the Giants defense. Wow. Well... On that note, we should we could have a few I, I drinks. I think at this point we should have a few <laughs> drinks as we as we get ready for this the second half of the season. I mean, the die has been cast at this point, right? We're going to talk it out. The trade deadline, the roster that will be the roster that makes this last gasp of a run at a playoff spot, and and what the implications are for seasons beyond. Um, but first, Bob. You've got a question for Matthew. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, Bob, on Saturday, my all-time favorite giant, 
had his number retired. Will the Thrill Clark, number 22. No one will ever wear 22 again, even though more people have worn 22 in the history of the San Francisco Giants than any other number. Uh, finally, Will is is getting his due. No more like Bronson Arroyos and uh, Rakert Finites or whatever going to be getting number 22 anymore. Rickert Finita. That's it. That's it. Yes. How could I forget Rickert? Yes, name and how to pronounce it. But anyway, I got thinking that good old Will deserves a cocktail. And it was a lot of fun watching his ceremony. If you didn't uh, see it on Saturday, go go look it up. It was, it was, you know, some greats were there to to celebrate along with them. Barry Bonds, Buster, Bochi. You know, there were a bunch of people there. Bochi got probably the biggest applause out of anybody that day from the fans, uh, which, you know, might have been a little awkward for the guy sitting to his left. <laughs> Kapler's just like, hmm. <laughs> but uh, it was a great, great ceremony. And so, yeah, the Will Clark was uh, a native of Louisiana, or is, not was, he is a native of Louisiana, and so I felt like I needed to uh, have a, a Louisiana-inspired cocktail, and so when you think of New Orleans and Louisiana, the quintessential cocktail is the Sazerac, and so this is a riff off the Sazerac. I call it the Nushler. Nushler? The Nushler. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. Okay, maybe we'll just call it the Thrill. I don't know because I know I can pronounce that. I, I think you should change its name to the Thrill. All right, all right. We're calling yeah. it the Thrill, just because I can pronounce that. And it, you'll notice it has its Sazerac uh, roots. It's got uh, two ounces of rye, uh, a quarter ounce of demerara syrup, a quarter ounce of orange liqueur, and in this case, I usually go for Cointreau, but I I chose Grand Marnier this time because I wanted a little bit of that sweeter, uh, sweeter orange to to counteract the uh, the the rye. Two dashes of Peychaud's bitters, which is you know necessary for any New Orleans inspired cocktail. Two dashes of orange bitters, and you put all of that into a mixing glass uh, with ice, and you stir it up until it's well chilled. And then you take a rocks glass and you mist it with or, or rinse it with some absinthe. And and in my mind, that's kind of so you have the orange liqueur and the orange bitters, and that's kind of the orange of the San Francisco Giants. And then in my mind, the absinthe is like a black licorice kind of taste. So that's like the black of the orange and black in my mind there. And so you you once you've misted or coated your inside of your glass with some absinthe, then you pour the chilled uh, contents of your of the rest of the ingredients in. Then you take an orange peel and you spritz some oils over that. And traditionally in a Sazerac, you discard the orange peel. But in this case, we're keeping it. And we're going to attach a brandied cherry to it and uh, and throw that in there as well. And there you have it. The Thrill Cocktail. Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. It really is, Bob. It's a great cocktail. It's, it's uh, I feel like it does will justice. You know, I think uh, the, the, the aroma of the absinthe and the orange mixed with the rye uh, and the peychauds all blends together really well. If you're a fan of the Sazerac, I think you should give this a try. Uh, a really good cocktail. So, Bob, hit Ben up. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Matthew, Bob, there I am in the marina 
at my favorite brunch place. But it's a late brunch. I mean, let's face it, folks, it's almost lunch. But they're still serving the brunch menu, and I've got a couple of choices. I could go with the standard mimosa. I could go with my favorite cocktail, the French 75, because that's always brunch appropriate. But then there it is, sitting on the menu. An Aperol Spritz. And I don't know what it is, whether it's heat stroke or the fact that I promised that I would make that cocktail this week, but I realize I have to order it. And so I do. And in this mythical story, I loved the Aperol Spritz so much that I decided to share it with all of you. Our mother... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Bryce and Bryce <laughs> to 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 uh, um, to bring the the wonders of the Aperol Spritz to all of you, so that you too can enjoy a different option when you are drinking in the hot sun um, on a Sunday in the marina, and um, which of course I think well unfortunately it does happen. It happens a little too often these days. Remember when it was foggy? In California, in San Francisco, instead of just, like, baking hot all the time. Yeah, they even named the fog. I mean, Carl, right? Carl, yeah. I mean, he still he shows up with a vengeance now because of the whole heat thing. But anyway, used to be foggy in the summer. And Anyway, my point is, I'm drinking an Aperol Spritz. And um, why did I choose this, Matthew? I don't even remember. I think I said something about the bitterest generation, and I felt guilty. And I don't have anything like this in my in my bar and I, you know, I thought I would just go with it. And, you know, the fact of the matter is I don't really know much about Aperol. So I, I went and I bought a bottle. And I have a little bit of a snifter of it right here. And it is, um, it's a really, it's not as bad as I thought in terms of bitter. Like you keep talking about the Campari. I think Aperol is actually a little bit less bitter on the spectrum. So if you're somebody like me who's trying to ease your way into this this whole world of cocktails like uh, or I'm sorry of uh, of liqueurs like the amaros and the uh like things like a pair uh, sorry uh aperol and um campari and and all of that. This might be a good place to start. Um I would I would ignore the kind of medicine-y cough syrup smell that it has because that's kind of the impression that I get when I first smell the Aperol. It smells like an orange cough syrup. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. That's just kind of what it reminds me of, right? And I, I think what it is is it's, there's a, it's a very, very sweet um, uh, liqueur. The first thing that you notice is when when it hits your tongue, if you're just drinking it straight, is how sweet it is. And then it's followed up by that very, very kind of bitter aftertaste. But it's definitely a strong orange overtone. Um, and uh, But then what you do is you take three ounces of that. I went off the recipe off the back of the Aperol bottle, which I figured, hey, if anybody's going to know how to make this, it's Aperol themselves. Although I did see some evidence that they have changed that recipe on the back of the bottle over time. So I'm not entirely sure about that. But right now they are calling for equal parts Aperol. And Prosecco, followed by a splash of club soda. Um, You serve that on ice, um, over ice, uh, in a large wine glass. And then you you garnish it with uh, an orange wheel. I have a half an orange wheel in here, which is a very complimentary garnish. Um, 
And with the club soda and the Prosecco, I, I actually think the Prosecco kind of actually highlights the bitterness of this cocktail a little bit. I, in some ways, it makes the uh, it makes the Aperol even more bitter. Uh, but then you cut that a little bit with the club soda. So if you're making these at home and you're like, how do I make this a little less bitter? Just add more than a splash of club soda and you'll be fine. And it ends up being like a very drinkable um, summer's day cocktail, right? This is actually a great kind of thing to drink when, when it's hot. And, uh, I could see yourself at a rooftop party in the city late, you know, in the fall during fire season, you know, <laughs> you're out there smelling the smoke and you're, you know, partying with your friends and, uh, and yeah, you got to have like three or four of these to, to wash down the, the soot. And, um, I don't know that I'm, you know what, Matthew? I could think if, like, if I had to finish the bottle and I had to drink these like every day, it, it, I would I would be turned, and then next thing you know, I would just be like Aperol spritzes everywhere. You couldn't get me to drink anything else. <laughs> well, that's that's high praise. It is high praise. It's better. It, it's better than I thought it was going to be. Like I, I, you know, I admit, I I genuflect. I throw myself at the mercy of the bitterest generation. Millennials, I'm sorry that I disparaged your bitter cocktails. The Aperol Spritz, who knew? You know, it's a start. Well, and looking at it, you know, the just just looked up real quickly, the Aperol versus Campari. And uh, Aperol is considered the, the gentler alternative to Campari. It has less than half the alcohol that Campari mm. does. And you're right, it's uh, orange is its uh, main uh, flavor. And then gentian, rhubarb, and cinchona herbs or spices are also included. Uh, oh, yeah, I was detecting a little rhubarb. Yeah, really? Yeah. And a little cinchona? No. no. A little, well, I don't even know no. what a cinchona even, is. It sounds like a Mexican I I, like insult is what it sounds like, but I don't I know. I think cinchona actually, is that the kind of thing that looks a little bit like a artichoke? Could be. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, well, um, uh, yeah. Well, then, I mean, then this is like if it's if yeah if if it's the 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 lighter version of Campari, that was definitely the impression I got. Um, yeah, if you're looking to get into the bitter drinks, start here. All right. Um, it, it it certainly is a flavor profile that will add sophistication to your other cocktails. So I, I would definitely encourage it, and this is a good way to get used to the flavor. Excellent. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned kind of the summer and fire season. Uh, a little too soon for me. I've had to evacuate my home twice in the last like four years. But uh, uh, the uh, the the spritz part and the how it's you know during hot weather that it, those those types of drinks are really really nice to have. Next week, uh, I will be doing a, a giant inspired spritz, and this is something uh, one of our you know Bryce, who we you know always mention now on our podcast as our lonely listener. He uh, sent me a DM of a of a cocktail that he had seen and uh, wanted to know if we could kind of create a giant riff off of that. And so stay tuned for that next week. I'm going to play around with it, and uh, we'll that's what I'm going to be. It'll probably have vodka or gin, is what I'm thinking. But it hasn't really been tested out yet, so I'm not going to get into too many specifics. But a giant-inspired spritz uh, riffed off of something that Bryce sent us. That's what I'm going to bring to the table next next week. What about you, Ben? Way to go, Bryce. Wow, I said that kind of with denim. Like, way to, way to go, yeah, Bryce. Yeah, like, way to go, Bryce. Jeez. You know, a lot of these cool young YouTubers, Matthew, they actually name their their listener base. 
They give them names. Maybe we should name our listener base Bryce. <laughs> there you go. That's right. right. It wouldn't be too far off. Yeah, my, know, Mom my, will just my, have to my... kind of roll with it. We couldn't call right. it Mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could. Hey, Mom. Hey, I think Bryce is a better name than Mom. <laughs> no offense, Mother. <laughs> Anyway, next week, I'm going to be making a mojito. Yes. Getting into some rum, yes. huh? I I have decided that I'm going to go deep on rum. You're going to be the rum guy? because uh, I'm going to be the rum guy because I don't want to be the gin guy. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So now, so now I'm going to, I'm going to come, I'm going to try to bury myself in rum instead of burying myself in gin. And, uh, and so I'm going to start that off with a, with a, a tried and true rum classic, the mojito. Uh, one we believe that we have never done on the show before, which is quite remarkable. You know, I think it's because we just never have the mint leaves. But next week, I'm going to make sure I have the mint leaves. And uh, so stay tuned for I've got a whole mint Ben's Mojito. Ben's Mojito. All right. Well, you know, you said burying yourself with rum or gin. Uh, I'm trying to think of a segue into our first topic here. Did the Giants bury themselves in anything but just regret and forlornness I, I don't know i mean it's just like i don't even know that's, <laughs> that's not that's a our word first subject. it's not a word but that's our just... first segment folks <laughs> that's our first segment did the giants bury themselves I, I went, in forlornness I, well i went into the trade deadlines with such high hopes uh that's our first segment the and trade deadline the trade Got deadline it. and and last week or I, I should say right after the all-star break or maybe during the all-star break we had just we were finishing hot we were like, all right, we're going to come out of here. We're going to you know, be adding some pieces to help us you know, get over the hump and get to the playoffs. And then we had this terrible two-week stretch post-All-Star uh, break and pre-trade deadline break, you know, and just it all fell to crap. And, you know, when you're I, – I don't even know how to describe this. It's just – you know, it's, it's like that moment where you're – it's like Christmas morning when you're expecting the big gift. And then everyone forgets to even give you a present. You know, I mean, that's 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 all. I, and not that I've ever had that happen to me, maybe. <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, just that's what I feel like today. I feel like Christmas morning came and I got a lump of coal and and I'm I'm bitter and upset about it. And I don't know who to blame Farhan Zaidi. Uh, so, you know, Ben, what? What were your thoughts on after the trade deadline came and went? Uh, the trade trade deadline came and went. First of all, J.D. Davis, I don't want you to think that we think you're a lump of coal. Okay. I mean, you look a little bit like Darren Ruff's younger brother. No offense. <laughs> um, so, um, but, but we don't think you're a lump of coal. Uh, what do I think about the trade deadline, Matthew? Um... It was a whole lot of nothing. It, it, this team did not get better um, for the current season, and this team did not get much better for the future. Um, it felt not, not, like not. we've got the Mets twenty seventh and twenty fourth best ranked prospect. Uh well, Matthew, we got three guys. Three guys for Darren Ruff total. Is that Which, right? Yes. No, four guys. 
four guys, which is okay, which is impressive. So I don't man. care how, how I don't care how lowly they're ranked in their in their in their minor league system. That is impressive. We got four guys for a thirty-five-year-old who is the second worst giant in terms of WAR this season in his last year of his contract. So I, I think that's pretty significant. Um, it does beg the question: What did the Mets see in Darren Ruff? And it turns out what they see in Darren Ruff is a DH who only bats again, who only starts against left-handers, and then is a right-handed power bent off, bat off the bench, which apparently they really, really liked and valued and needed. And that actually makes perfect sense for Darren Ruff. They don't see him as a left fielder, and they don't see him as a first baseman. Uh, and so, in that sense, it, it makes a lot of sense uh, as a trade for them. Um, I am surprised that we got so much for him. I guess they were probably going to have to DFA somebody like J.D. Davis because he's clearly the odd man out if you pick up somebody like like Darren Ruff. So he's the obvious guy that you you move. And um, but but like I was listening to Farhan Zaidi uh, on the game yesterday. He was he was sitting with Kruko and and Kuiper in one of the early innings, and they were asking him about what's the difference basically between J.D. Davis and Darren Ruff. They said it very nicely, but, you know, and it was basically he can play third base. Yeah. And that was it. And they were like, well, we were looking for a little bit more defensive versatility. versatility and, and, and <laughs> which I'm like, oh, great. So you're going to play guys in positions they're not comfortable in, uh, you know, ad infinitum. Um, uh, so... And then they also said he's a little bit younger, a little bit more athletic. Think spry, meaning he can catch a few more balls when he's sprinting or running. Um, I guess that means, yeah, essentially he's faster than Darren Ruff. Um, so they, they upgraded left field. They upgraded and left they, field. And they gave like, us a backup to Longoria. Right. And they, and they added a few guys, one of whom might someday turn out to be a middle reliever. Well, I did. I did. You know, uh, they, they, is... they got three other pitchers: a left-handed pitcher named Thomas Zapuki, and Zapuki actually has two major league appearances, which both of which did not go well. One was a start; one was a relief appearance. Uh, the, yeah, he hasn't done well in those two starts. But you know, that's that's a small sample size. Uh, and you know, left-handed, he got two left-handers actually. Another guy named Nick Zwack, who was just drafted last year. He was the Mets' twenty-seventh ranked prospect by Baseball America. And what's interesting about all three of these guys is that they both have strikeout, high strikeout numbers, uh, between 11 and 12 strikeouts per nine innings. And so it seems like that's, you know, that's where the game is headed, right? You want guys that can strike people out. And the Giants are stockpiling a lot of those younger players, uh, but we we don't seem to have many of them that have actually matriculated to the uh, major league roster. So again, this is a long this is for the long haul, I guess, and maybe one of those guys pans out long term. But I guess even if that's the case, then that's a good good long term haul for a thirty five year old guy on his last you know a uh, few months of a. Contract. I think that trade was a plus. Yeah, I mean that trade was a plus because like Darren Ruff, like I said, you know, has not been performing nearly as well this year as he did last year, and the Giants got a replacement for him. Right, they got a major league ready replacement for him. That that is, you know, arguably better at defense, which the Giants need to do. And they picked up, you know, a couple of good prospects for him or three, you know, three prospects for him. That's an amazing trade. The other thing that I like about what the Giants did this this offseason, I mean, sorry, that during this trade deadline is they traded two guys that the Giants signed 
as injured players who never played for the Giants. That's pretty and they turn those into <laughs> prospects, which is very impressive. And that would be Rosenthal, who you were excited about. You were really excited about Rosenthal last week. You're like, yeah, we got a strikeout pitcher coming. I yeah, you know, well, the, that was why. But but you know, now the Brewers have a strikeout guy going. Oh, was it? You went to the Brewers. Rosenthal went to the Brewers. I think so. Oh, Boyd went to the Mariners. Yes, that's right. And Boyd went to the Mariners. And Boyd was another guy that they signed. They picked up last year uh, as a free agent, uh, knowing that he was coming off of. I don't think it was Tommy John. Was it? It was a thoracic outlet. I think so. Yeah. Or was that Rosenthal? Anyway, one of them. So, but he was he was gonna he was coming back really soon, and he was you know going to create a little bit of a question mark of who was gonna you know who was gonna go. Uh, they solved that problem by trading Boyd. Yeah. And, and that's pretty amazing. And that's the kind of stuff that Farhan Zaidi is really really good at. Right, he's really, really good at picking up these injured players and turning them into into something great, like Luis Gonzalez, and um, I'm forgetting the other guy that we just picked up uh, this year. But uh, and then also Rosenthal and Boyd, right? Like he saw value in these players that were injured that other teams were afraid to pay a major league salary to. While they put them on the 60 day, because that's what happens when you put somebody on the 60 day IL is you got to pay them their major league salary. Other teams don't want to do that. The Giants are willing to do that. And then he was able to trade those guys away for future value. And and that's amazing. These are people that the Giants let never the Giants never took a risk on them on the field. Right. And yeah. uh, and they ended up having a benefit. Right. And so so I really liked those kinds of things. But that's not what we were hoping for, Matthew. <laughs> like, that's not... We weren't like, hey, man, I really hope Farhan Zaidi pulls some really cool trades with Rosenthal and Boyd and shows us how, you know, how great it is to find value in injured players. Like, we weren't, like, super psyched about that. No. Right? No. We were psyched about the possibility of, of getting Soto, which was kind of like... We always knew that was kind of a pipe dream. But we were excited about... You were excited about making this season's team better. And I was excited about making, you know, 2025 and 2026 better by trading some of the guys that you didn't want to get rid of. And it turns out we were both wrong. <laughs> well, there was always the option of not doing anything. And this is kind of falls almost into that category, right? I mean, they, they yeah. dealt surplus players, right? They dealt injured guys, guys that weren't really part of the team. And, you know, Kurt Casale coming back, there wasn't a spot for him. I mean, it was either that or Austin wins. And Joey Bart has right. actually been playing better since he came back. And so... Yeah, Joey Bart's the starter now. Yeah. I mean, he is. He's the guy. And so, you know, they did get a, a lower level, high A guy, a catcher to, you know, be in the pipeline for, for Casale. Uh, but, you know, we didn't get the big splash. That's for sure. I mean, Darren Ruff is the only, you know, guy that's on the current roster that got dealt and, you know, we bring back a guy that's, you know, almost like him, except he can play third base. And so we really didn't improve the the, the current roster. And so we're going to have to go with, let's just hope everybody yeah. plays a little bit better over the last third of well, the season. Well, that's, that's been the plan all year is these guys will play better. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think the more and more... What's that, you know, that the, the more and more that you, you expect the different results from the same effort? This is the definition of insanity. Yeah. Um, I think there's a little bit of insanity going on right now. But I don't think it's I don't think it's conscious, right? Like I think what's happened, Matthew, is they tried. They tried. They tried to make trades but couldn't get them done. 
Right. And that's because other Major League Baseball teams didn't want what they had to trade. Like, I'll give you a perfect example on, on the selling side. Why didn't we move Carlos Rodon? Well, the reason they didn't move Rodon is probably because a lot of teams were really scared about his history and his player option for next year. Yeah. The more and more I think about this contract that Rodon got was it was all win for him. Right? Because he's got this huge, what is it, 20? I want to say he's got a huge option for next year. I think it's 25 million or it's in that vicinity. But the point is, like, if at the end of the season Rodon's had a great year, he's going to opt out of that and he's going to go back on the free agent market. If he has a crappy second half of the season, including getting hurt and having arm fatigue like he had last year where he can't pitch the second half of the season or last third of the season, really, at this point, then he can pick up that option and make, you know, whatever whatever it is, 18 to $25 million next year. And a lot of teams, I think, looked at that contract and they were just like, this is a lose-lose for us. $22.5 million. million he gets if he has a crappy second half of the season. Or gets injured. Yeah, right. Or gets injured. Right. And so other teams were like, okay, so if I get him and he's great, great. It all works out for me, except, you know, he's a rental because he's not going to want to put pitch for me next year. He's going to go back out on the market. If he has a really bad year, which we saw him do last year when he got hurt or got, you know, arm fatigue then it's going to cost me $22.5 million for a suspect player. That was a really bad and hard contract to move. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we didn't see him go anywhere. Right? Yep. On the flip side, what did the Giants have to give up to other, you know, other teams for great players, for impact players? And, you know, I, I mean, you wrote it down here on the on the notes, Matthew, but it turns out when you build your team with scrubs... No one wants your scrubs. No one wants our scrubs, Ben. No one no one wanted our scrubs, and that's why we didn't make any big impact trades. Yeah, and I guess right? that is the downside. That's why we didn't... That is the downside yeah. to how the Giants have built their team, right? They've built it around uh, platoon you know, uh, situations and things like that. Well, when you have half players, nobody wants full value. You know, nobody wants to pay you full value for a half player. And and so that's where we just didn't line up with any, you know, with certainly with the Nationals. Uh, we couldn't offer right. what what the Padres could offer. And it's just it's getting, you know, it's getting to that point where you know, where, yes, it's been impressive how the Giants have been competitive with the way they've built their team. But we certainly haven't been able to play at the level that the the Padres or the Dodgers have have played. And so. Yeah, which which begs the question, how do the Giants compete against the Padres and the Dodgers now? I mean, if you look at our team of quote unquote scrubs and you put them against the Dodgers who have three, you know, past MVPs and the Padres who now have Soto, Tatis Jr. and Machado uh, at the top of their lineup, along with Bell, who's having a great season that they also got from the Nationals. Uh, which, which is, you know, kind of the, un- which I thought was interesting because when I first saw the sed- headlines, it was like Soto to the Padres and realize the Padres got bell as well. So they've got their, they got the Padre or the nationals, two best offensive players in that trade and just makes this year's team so much better because I mean, I guess you can argue the bells having a career season, but my goodness, uh, how do we compete against that? 
Well, we don't. We're zero and six in our last six games played against the Dodgers. Well, right. Yes. I mean, I I still I still think the Padres the Padres. Okay, look, the Padres are going to Padre, right? Until they don't. And I had I had you know I don't know I had this weird like I almost feel like in a past life I was a Padre fan. I, I don't know. I have this weird, like, they irritate me. They irritate me like the, the the angels irritate me, you know? It's it's these teams that should should be doing better but don't. And and the Padres have to prove that they're a legitimate team, and they have to get over that hump, right? So they have to make the playoffs, and then they have to make a deep run into the playoffs before they prove to me that they're anything, that, that they're anybody that we need to even worry about competing with. You know, I mean, like, yes, they've got they've got Tatis and Soto, but you know, the Angels have Otani and Trout. Yeah. Right. So what? Um, but that being said, they don't compete against the Dodgers. They don't, and I say that because it's obvious because they can't compete and they do not compete on the field. Right, especially this year. Well, um, I was actually looking at yeah. how I was curious about how the Padres could, you know, the Padres haven't traditionally been thought of as a large market team with a large you know, capacity for payroll. And I was looking at how they could afford all three players. Uh, we talk about Tatis Jr., Machado and and now Soto, uh, because all of them have huge contracts or at least Soto uh, with through arbitration will be getting probably, you know, in the 20 million you know, plus zone over the next couple of years. While well, he's in arbitration, uh, turns out that Tatis Jr.'s contract is backloaded. So he's like next year, I think, is like seven million, and the year after that is like ten million. So basically, what the Padres are doing are saying we're all in now, and and they want to win a World Series in the next two and a half years, right? And then then they'll figure it out. But they've they have sold the farm, you know, so to speak for the right to win the the possibility to win a world series over the next two and a half years. And if you're the Padres, why not? Right. Go all in. Uh, and, and, but that's not Zaidi. Zaidi doesn't go all in. Right. I mean, Zaidi is, is trying to build a dynasty. And uh, I think that that's, that's the part where, you know, it's not happening <laughs> at the point. I mean, he's already four, three and a half years in. Right. And, and we, we're not seeing a dynasty being, being developed by any means. No, we're not. You you ask me how do we compete against the the Padres and Dodgers? I mean, there are there are three ways to compete better, to get better players, right? And and that is to to build them up in your farm system, to trade for them, or to sign them as free agents. And you know, I, I mean, I think the, the the main thing that I have been excited about with this particular regime, with Farhan Zaidi's regime, is the idea that the Giants are going to build internally, right? That they're going to draft players and then they're going to develop those players into into starters and and a few all stars and maybe one great player, right? Yeah. And those people are, and they're gonna, you know, we're gonna see those people come up, and. And and that is what I really really yearn for as a Giants fan, and I don't know if that's just because like that's the first gi- good Giants team that I saw was built that way with with Will Clark and and Robbie Thompson and and those guys coming up, you know, that you got to like these kids that regime that sorry that wave of players or what? But it, it, that was that's what I've been most excited about, right? Is is them trying to to build this team via via the draft and, and player development. 
the problem is this year, Matthew, like those players are not developing. And I think the Soto trade is a clear, clear signal that the Giants minor league organization is not developing or drafting and sign or signing international free agents. Um, and, and then getting those guys to, to develop at a pace that is, that is competitive because otherwise the Giants would have been more than a dark horse in the trade, uh, conversations with the nationals. And Farhan said he talked to them. They had conversations. Yeah. I think the only reason that they had conversations though, was to drive the price up. I mean, if I'm Farhan Zaidi and I hear that the Dodgers and Padres are in on Soto, damn right I'm getting involved in that conversation because I want to be like, well, what will it take? I'm sure they were talking, taking on contract. I'm sure they were were, trying to get creative in other ways. Uh, but at the very least, maybe they they cost the Padres a prospect, you know. In, well, in- and that's good, and I'm I'm glad they did that, and they should have. But I'm saying that the Giants were never a real no, threat. No, no, they weren't. Because because the minor leaguers that we have now are not good enough. Right, they're not playing at a level that uh, that we would expect. Right. I mean, every every of our every one of our top prospects, maybe outside of Kyle Harrison. Yeah, are remember. Not well, very remember, well. remember, remember, remember at the beginning of the season how many fans wanted Elliot Ramos, Elliot Ramos to make the team. Where he? <laughs> Where he at? <laughs> Where he be? He be in AAA struggling. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, you know, like the, the minor leagues are, these guys are not performing. And I don't know, is that you just didn't draft the right guys or is that because we're not developing well or is it just bad luck? I don't know, but it ain't happening. And that is deeply concerning to me because to me, that was the backbone of the future of this team. Right. You draft good and, players, you develop them, and then you have this pipeline that you can either trade or bring up to fill in gaps. And that's what the Dodgers do. And that's what the yeah. Padres are doing. And yet we haven't been able to. I, do yeah. That. And I don't know what's going on there. Like, I don't know who to blame the players, the coaches, whatever. I mean, if it's the coaching staff, head's got a role next year. Yeah, absolutely. Head's got a role. You got to redo. Like, I mean, if, if the current coaching staff at those levels are not able to develop these players, they should be looking for new jobs next year. Yeah. Because this is not good enough, right? Like what we're seeing out of the minor leagues this year, not good enough. No. Right. Like and and so 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 that's the main way that I thought we were going to compete and it's not happening and it's really scary. Well, right. I mean, it it makes because it makes me think, oh, my God, this is going to be five or six years of misery. Well, hey, don't don't worry, Ben. We got Bryce Johnson making his major league debut this week. Okay. Hey, Bryce. (laughs) I'm I'm not even Uh, positive. It's not the same Bryce that listens to our 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 podcast. Could be. Could be. It's the same Bryce. Wow. Bryce didn't had no idea, buddy. (laughs) But um, Bryce Johnson brought up to uh, to the majors today and uh, to the major league club uh, making his major league debut. I assume today because the Giants usually do that. They call a guy up and just throw him in. And uh, uh, and we're assuming that he's a really good defensive player, a good defensive yeah. center fielder, because his numbers are mediocre or average. Right. They're not they're not horrible, but they're not great. I mean, he's not going to be the, the superstar offensive player. He's but maybe he yeah. makes the, the defense better. Which, yeah, which isn't nothing. Yeah, and I think, I mean, he's he's making his major league debut, but I think he's kind of holding the fort down until Jack Peterson comes back. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I mean, also he's a he's a he's from the previous regime. You know, he came up. He was twenty seventeen. Right. 
I mean, every guy that we brought up has been from the previous regime. Like VR, right? Like, I mean, the biggest, brightest spots. Like, what do we have to be excited about on the San Francisco Giants for the future? Well, on the major league roster, it's Webb, Duvall, and Bart. Ain't none of those guys Zaidi guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's time to to. Yeah. Well, anyway, you asked me what what do we need to do to be better? The first one is we got to do that. Draft and develop. Mm -hmm. We got to draft and develop. The other thing is we got to trade. But you got to have good prospects to trade with. Yeah, and 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 then the th- well, I think Go we've ahead. added a bunch of guys, and so you know, part of that is just major le- or baseball roulette, right? You're just trying to see which one you hit on, and mm-hmm. and the more you bring in, maybe the the more options you have, and and they're building their depth in the minor leagues, and somebody's gonna gonna finally come through, and so we'll see but that's you know some of these guys are two or three four years away so we're not going to know for a while whether those guys are are the answer agreed agreed uh, but the the big one and i mentioned that the padres are not considered a big market team but you know who is considered a big market team the san francisco giants and we haven't spent like a big mar- market team in quite a while and and I'm, you know, I hear the stories. Oh, they offered Bryce Harper all this, and I know that we last year, I think, we're using that same argument. They, they, they offered Bryce Harper a lot of money. They tried to get Manny Machado to waive his no trade clause. They, you know, there were there were times where the Giants were in unwilling to spend big money on certain players. Um, but you know, the bottom line is they haven't been able to get them, and so they're not. And and I agree, you don't you don't go spend money just for the sake of spending money. And you don't want to spend money on the wrong guy, but it certainly sends a bad message to your fan base when you're just the also ran every single time. And I think sometimes you've got to overpay to get the guy. And the Giants have not been willing to do that. And I think at some point, probably within the next season, the next year, they have to make a big impact signing. They have to go out and spend some money on a player that will make a difference. And we haven't seen that in the Farhan Zaidi regime yet. Should have done it already. Should have done it already. Should have had one guy last year. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, you know, but I agree. Like, like they got to go out there and spend the money. Right? Like, they got to spend the money. I mean, is this Charles Johnson's fault? Is this Bears' fault? I don't know who this is. Like, I really don't like this guy Johnson. Like, can I blame him? I don't, I don't can I think so because we're name? spending so much less than we have traditionally in previous seasons, and so it's it's not like it's not like we're we're up against what we've spent all year, and now we need to spend more. We have we're spending less than we have in past seasons, and so yeah. Well, maybe maybe that greedy bastard Johnson is trying to suck in the profits. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Let's just blame ownership. Uh, but no, I think it's Zaidi. I think it's Zaidi doesn't I mean, want. I really don't like that guy. I know. I really don't like I that don't, guy. I don't like the guy either. But but I don't know if we can really blame him because, you know, like I said, the, yeah. the payroll is, is. Well, we can lower. blame him because he greenlit hiring Zaidi. <laughs> All right. I fault. mean, I hope he's as pissed off as we are, quite frankly. Charles. Yeah. Charles, buddy. If there's one thing we can agree on, the Giants got to win. Get on the phone and yell at somebody. <laughs> Ryan out loud. Pull out your pocketbook and spend some money because I feel, I feel like the or or maybe you already have and you're like, why haven't you spent my money? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the Giants are in a better position than most teams because they have multiple sources of revenue besides attendance, and attendance has been coming back this year. I know they were they're down for a couple of years, but attendance has been coming back this year. We've seen a lot of sellouts, a lot of near sellouts, a lot of good a uh, good home stands. 
so I feel like that's not the problem anymore. They've also got the big, you know, development that's happening just beyond uh, Oracle Park that they, you know, are hoping to 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 produce revenue from. So I don't think the ownership group is hurting for money. They need to spend it now. They need to go out and get somebody that will make a difference. Get two players that will make a difference because we need to obviously there's an arms race going on in the National League West and we're we're using spitballs while the other team has has machine guns and so you know we need to we need to compete so darn it go out and spend some money giants agreed spend the money uh i'm looking at the attendance rankings and and the giants started to fall off in 20 well so in 2017 the giants had the third best attendance and uh, with with 3.3 million behind the Dodgers and the Cardinals. And in 2018, when it was clear the team was not so good, um, uh, they they only dropped to fourth. But then in 2019, they dropped to 11th. Mm. So I think that's a pretty good sign of like what a bad baseball team does to your attendance, right? Um, 2020, obviously nobody had any attendance. And then 2021, the Giants were 12th with attendance Mm -hmm. at 1.6 million. Now I granted that's a way that's, that's a way far away from 3.3, but it's not like they were the worst in major league baseball. And, and this year they are dropped one to 13th. Just curious. Where are the, the Padres in that? The Padres, all right, this year yeah. are fifth, fifth. At, so they're fifth best attendance. And then last year, they're third. They were third last year. I, yeah, I, I, I figured as much because just watching the games, I, you know, I used to live in San Diego and you could get a yeah. ticket anytime when I was there. I mean, you could just walk yeah. up and get a good seat and uh, uh, seeing the games that I've seen. And I know, you know, watching mostly Giants games, of course, Giants tra- fans travel really well down to San Diego. That is uh, true. But, think, but they're uh, but they're doing yeah, well overall, right? The Padres are doing well. Right. It, yeah. it does help yeah. that they're playing a lot of Dodgers games and a lot of Giants games because Dodger fans and, and, and Giants fans both travel well, especially to San Diego. Right. Because who doesn't who doesn't like going to San Diego? Well, and, you know, who else does is is Diamondback fans. So a lot of Arizona guys oh, come wow. out, you know, to escape yeah. the heat. They're coming out to San Diego and, and watching the, the Diamondbacks play. So. Right. But 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 their attendance really a product of how well they're playing. Well, yeah. And they've got exciting players. Yeah. They've got guys. They've got that, people you want to go watch. Yeah. Who do you want to go watch on the Giants, Ben? Camilo and Logan and... Um, okay, so a guy every fifth day and maybe a guy every two to three days, right? I mean, yeah, for if an they're inning, winning. For one inning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's really it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like I like the Brandons, but, you know, it's clear they're on the, the end of their careers. And the guys I'm really excited about are, are Logan Webb and Camilo Duvall. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I like Joey Bart. Right. He's a good story. I'm really loving his his baseball watching um, the way he watches a ball after he knows it's gone. Uh, it's it's it, I really I, it's there's no bat flap. There's no nothing. But but it's definitely going to make a pitcher angry. Well, I, I that home run that he hit the other that. night in the left field where it was 114.3 miles an hour is the hardest hit ball in the stat cast era for a San Francisco giant or hardest hit home run, I should say. <laughs> and. And yeah, he had every right to watch that man because he launched that. I mean, it was yeah. a bullet. yeah. He doesn't watch everyone, right? He runs when he needs to run, but like when he knows it's gone, 
Ah, oh, so good. So good. So good. So good. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I like that. Never flip the bat, Joey. Just do that. <laughs> just do that. I mean, it reminds me of it reminds me of Barry. You know, when Barry would just drop the bat. Yes. Oh God, so good. Ah, <laughs> uh, so good. But um. I mean, yeah, so there you go, right? I mean, they've got good players. They've got good, fun players worth watching, the Padres do, and that's why their attendance is going up. Hint, hint, San Francisco Giants. Right. I mean, mean, this is an investment, right? It's not just, it's not, spending money isn't in a vacuum. You're spending money, you know, any good business owner will tell you that you invest in your product, right? And yeah. and you expect a return. So there will be a return on, on, on getting a large, a huge free agent. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it, like last year, I, I think even some of the press started, like I heard it both from Pavlovich and from, oh, you know, Touchdown Raiders. What's his name? Papa, Greg Papa. They both were actually, you know, bashing the fans for not showing up. At, I, I don't want to make that's an overreach in terms of they were both calling out. They were both mentioning that the fans weren't showing up. But now that I look at how fans are showing up at the park relative to other teams, I'm like, the San Francisco Giants are 11th or 12th or 13th. And that's their record. You know, their record in the major leagues. Yeah, I that. mean, that's exactly. I'm like, I, you know, like they're doing just as well as every other team is. Rel- you know, so whatever effect the pandemic is having, it's the same for every team. The reason why the Giants have bad attendance ain't because of the pandemic so much as it is because of the epidemic of bad baseball that the San Francisco Giants are playing. Yeah, agreed. And I think in in that respect, you know, we had last year, of course, the 107 wins. And I know fans are getting tired of referring to last season because last season was definitely a fluke. And yep. and I don't think that there's I think at the beginning of this year, I would I would have argued differently, and probably did argue differently. You definitely did. did. You definitely did. But we both did. But but seeing the, the the same players and the same philosophy halfway through, or more than halfway now through the season, uh, I don't think there's any arguing that last season was a fluke. You had guys that were having career years. You had guys that were playing probably above their pay grade. And now we're seeing things regressing to the mean, as they say in statistician land. And 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 so I think with Farhan, the honeymoon is over, right? I think, you know, last year he got a lot of praise from us and from others around what he was able to put together. And now that's not happening. And we're getting outspent and outtraded for uh, by teams in our own division. And so I think the honeymoon is over. And and so what are you know what is what does Zaidi have to do? Uh, well, I think we just answered it, right? They've got to draft better, develop better, and spend on the right free agents. And right now, they haven't done any of that. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a whole lot of nothing. It's a whole lot of nothing. I'm I'm definitely starting to become concerned. Like the the uh, the honeymoon is definitely over. Like it's all about results from here on out, and. And to me, the results aren't necessarily the record, right, of the team, right? Like, right. I, I do think it's impressive to have a competitive team. Let me put it this way. If last year's team went 90 and, um, well, whatever they 72. You know, had 90 and 72, thank you, had gone 90 and 72, I would have been pretty happy with that. Yeah. Right? I would have said, wow, that's a competitive team with not a lot to go for it, to show for it. I mean, sorry, to go for, to, to, to support that, that, that record, right? Like that's amazing. You know, we got way better than that. And that was super exciting. 
Um, but that's not really what I'm concerned about. I, I'm impressed that you can put a competitive team on the field given the kind of um, – given where your farm system was and given uh, how much money you had tied up in older players. But now that all of that money is no longer tied up in older players and you've had some time to develop your, your farm system, what I expect to see is higher-rated prospects. I expect to see – better free agents being signed. And if you're not signing those free agents, then you should be spending a boatload of money on developing your players with better coaching, with better tools, whatever it is. Like the San Francisco Giants organization should have the state-of-the-art player development system. If they're not spending their money on free agents, then they should be spending it there. Yeah. And and I don't see any of that. Like I get it, Marco Luciano, he's great. He's he's highly rated. You know, I mean, uh, who else do we got? Yeah, on the offensive side, not a whole lot. I mean, we've got, you know, Kyle Harrison. You know, we have some pitchers that maybe could help the club in the near future. But Right, but besides Harry, Harrison and Luciano, who else do we got? Yeah, well, there's, you know, Matos and... and uh, yeah, but nobody, uh, I, I mean, like... Not, those are the names yeah. that we've been hearing, but they haven't been producing. But they haven't. Yeah, no, that's right. That's what I'm saying. Like, we got to stop saying those names because those names are not as good as people are saying they are. They're not as valued by the rest of baseball the way that they've been pushed on us. Right. And, and I think that, you know, looking at that Soto trade with the Padres tells you that because the Padres traded, you know, some guys you've never heard of. But obviously the mm-hmm. Nationals, you know, covered them more than what the Giants had to offer. And yep. and, you know, the bottom line is our our minor league system isn't good enough to compete with other teams. That's right. And so, I mean, like, that's where I want to see the results. I want to see free agents being signed and I want to see higher rated prospects. Right. Right. That's what I care the most about right now. And I care about more about those things than I do about the record for this year, because that means we're building a team for the future. And and right now, like, I don't see the future. Like, I don't see it. Where are we going? Yeah, you can't you can't point to the the strong minor league system that's going to show up and like be a really competitive team in two yeah, years. Yeah, like what I can say is we're wasting Duvall and Webb. That's what I can say. Mm. Yeah, right. I don't see a future where those guys are involved. Right. Yeah. And you know, it, it's this trade deadline. I think may crystallized a lot of this stuff, and it's not good. <sighs> Well, on that note, that sounds like a sucky way to kind of segue into the end here. But, but you know what is good? Oh, what? What? What's good? A nice frosty mojito. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> mm, minty and sweet. Oh, with some rum. And then when you finish it, you're happy. And all you want to do is have another one. And, and you don't even know what the score is on the TV because when you look it up, the t- TV's too blurry. That's right. That's right. Or, you know, you could help yourself to a thrill cocktail and uh, just watch the Giants, you know, do what they do and and not really care as much because you're you're half in the bag. So uh, anyway, we got we got two games left against the Dodgers, which uh, traditionally, you know, last way, obviously haven't been playing well against, you know, arguably the top one or two teams in the in major leagues. Uh, then we've got two games against Oakland. These these interleague games are interesting or series are interesting because they're always so short. We got two games against Oakland, 
and then three games at San Diego where we get to see Mr. Juan Soto for the first time in a Padres uniform. Uh, so that's what we got coming up over the next week. Obviously, you know, Oakland has sold off, I think, everybody. You might be the fifth starter for the Oakland A's at this point, Ben. Uh, <laughs> uh, so hopefully we, we are able to take care of business against the A's. And then it'll be interesting to see what how do we stack up? Against the Padres, even without Fernando Tatis Jr., who's still on the IL, uh, you know, and and I'm it goes back to the beginning. I'm not optimistic. We've got 17 games to play, which is 30 percent of our games. We have 30 percent of our remaining games are against the Dodgers and the Padres, and I think that's going to go a long way to determining whether we make the playoffs or not. And I think that the thing about that is is that the the Cardinals and the Phillies don't have 17 games against. The, the the against the Dodgers and the Padres. They've got 17 games against, you know, the, I don't know, insert whoever, the, the National League Central that sucks, but in uh, um, the National League East. So I, we have a tougher road is what I'm trying to say. And, yes, and I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really optimistic <laughs> no. that we're going to be able to overcome those odds for that third and final. No, lot, I, I, I think, I think inferior teams lose to greater teams and the Giants are an inferior team playing greater teams. Um, yeah. I you know I, I I hope I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong, but um, I am prepared for a um, well I'm prepared. I mean, what is this? This is August third. Like when is February? You know, February first. I, I I'm prepared for a long five months, and I expect big things in months four and five. <laughs> you know. I expect big free agent signings. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm I'm adjusting to that moment, Matthew. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the rest of these games. I'm gonna root for for Logan and Camilo, and and uh, and hope that the rest of the Giants stop playing crappy baseball. And uh, and you know, like hey, if they make a run, they make a run. Great. Uh, I will be there cheering for them in the playoffs. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna spend a lot of time researching rum. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, uh, and that sounds like a great plan at this point, for sure. Because right, I'm looking at yes. the 2023 uh, free agent class, and um, it, it doesn't look... Well, maybe we should talk about that next week. Let's maybe talk we about, should. Let's talk about that. And, uh, you know, who knows? But maybe the Giants will have, you know, won these next two games, and they'll have won every game since then, and we'll be, you know, three games out of the wild card spot, and, and we'll be like, hey, we were wrong last week. Uh, before we go, I, I did want to I did want to call out one thing. Um, you know, a, a guy who 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 was a um, a San Francisco Giants fan from early in his life, and then somewhere things went horribly wrong. Um, passed away uh, uh, yesterday, uh, but but no matter like the fact that he was synonymous with a team that we hate. He was one of the all-time greats, uh, Vin Scully. I think um, I watched a lot of Dodger games. I watched a lot of Dodger games in the past just because I wanted to follow the Dodgers, and and I never regretted it because he was there calling the game, and, and what a great voice to listen to, and it's really sad that he's gone. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, never forget, first-time Giants fan, you know? Vin Scully, Giants yep, fan. Vin Scully was... You- you don't you don't get much better than Vince Scully. I mean, he was a class act, and uh, uh, he'll be missed by the baseball world for sure. All right, Ben. Well, uh, I think we're nearing the end. Bob, 
Where can they find us? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's right. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Giant Cocktails. If you haven't done so already, give us a follow. Uh, we are, you know, where we'll post our recipes for our cocktails and engage with uh, you all during games and you have fun. So definitely give us a follow there. Uh, in the meantime, you know, we will be back next week to talk about hopefully some wins and maybe we'll uh, getting back into playoff contention or we're going to talk about uh, mojitos and uh, 2023 free agents. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, Ben, uh, whichever it is, I look forward to talking to you then. Until then, my friend, cheers. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. Bottoms up.